Who defines me? Hmm. Well, I thought about the world we live in right now that um, <clears throat> with, seems like with YouTube and reality television and political polls that it's our popularity that defines us. And that's pertinent on Palm Sunday. <clears throat> in The Mysteries of John, Charles Fillmore wrote, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and his reception by the multitude represents a transient and external enthusiasm, the result of demonstrations in the outer. If you follow the progression of Jesus' ministry, the multitude that went forth to meet him crying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, did so because they had witnessed his raising of Lazarus just days earlier. Their homage to Jesus was based on the signs that they had witnessed and not on that deep inner conviction that attests the sincere followers. So Jesus had done something fantastic, and word got out. I don't believe all the people in the parade knew or were there when Lazarus was raised, but even before social media, word spread. And I have always been struck by the fact that in our um, Christian calendar, we go from Palm Sunday with the triumphal entry and the cheers of Hosanna to the next Sunday with resurrection. And you can miss the whole drama that happens in the intervening week. So we're going to touch a little bit on that because of the contrast that it draws to especially to Palm Sunday and the approbation that Jesus received as he came into Jerusalem. Because in less than a week later, the same crowd, some of the same crowd, that laid down palms and their cloaks and heralded Jesus' entry into Jerusalem this passage from Luke 23 says, And with one voice they shouted, Kill him, and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in jail for murder and insurrection. He was a political agitator. And the Feast of the Passover was going on, and it was traditional that in order to celebrate the feast, that somebody who was, had been arrested was released. And Pilate decided to give the crowd a choice because he knew about what had happened on Palm Sunday and that there was, a, uh, there was a very popular person in his jail and he gave the crowd a chance to say, he's still popular with us, let him go. And this was their response. And 
In explaining this metaphysically, Charles Fillmore was asked, why did the Jewish rabble choose to release Barabbas instead of Jesus? And Charles writes, the rabble represents people who are wedded to external forms of religion. They resent new presentations of truth that revolutionize their creeds and dogmas as the teaching of Jesus did. So, let's have it the old way, is part of what they were saying when they said, give us Barabbas. I heard a story years ago about a child in Sunday school. The teacher said, if good people are green and bad people are red, what color are you? And this little boy, who was still quite young and honest, thought really hard about his goodness and his badness, and said, I think I'd be streaky. <laughs> so, whenever I think about the crowd that hailed Jesus as the one who comes in the name of the Lord on Sunday, and then on Thursday night or Friday said, give us the murderer and take Jesus away. I think about how streaky we are, how changeable we are, and that popularity rises and falls, kind of depending on, well, a number of factors. So I decided that um, I was going to share with you some of the other characters in history who have been streaky, who have been very popular and and maybe weren't as perfect as their press releases might have led us to believe. Um, this is a depiction of Martin Luther, um, not to be confused with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This guy came first. He is known for having um, started the Reformation way back in the 1500s. And he saw that the Catholic Church in that time, the Christian Church, had, um, had become corrupt because they had a lot of power and you know what they say about power and corruption. So he said things have to be different. Um, heralded as you know, an incredible reformer and spiritual teacher. And he was known to defend the Jews when the Catholic Church was going after him. But um, it was because he thought they should become reformed Christians, not because he necessarily thought the Jewish people should be left alone. So um, he wrote a book called The Jews and Their Lies, and he's pretty well recognized as being anti-Semitic. So good old Luther had his dark underbelly. 
This one may surprise you. Are any of you old enough to remember the TV show Room 222? Yeah, a couple of us, yeah. I first learned about this on Room 222. Um, Abraham Lincoln was uh, probably qualified as a white supremacist. Even though he was the great emancipator, based on um, what he said in an 1858 speech where he was running against Stephen Douglas, somebody had accused him of being for racial equality and he strongly defended himself against that accusation and said that, um, well, I didn't write down the quote, um, I am not for the equality of the races. I don't think that um, Negroes should be I know jurors, voters are jurors, but he wanted to keep the union together and he really understood that slavery was not in the interest of union. So that was the strength, at least initially. We don't know how far Lincoln came around in his thinking about equality, but um, he may not have been as enlightened as we like to think now here in the 21st century, but he still did some really good stuff, which is really true for most of these people. This, I would not have recognized this woman, but this is Helen Keller. Um, and this is actually um, an artistic photograph that was taken of her by a famous photographer in her day. Helen Keller is the woman in the miracle worker. She's the one on whom the miracle was worked. She was born deaf and blind and was an amazing champion for people with those kind of physical disabilities. Unfortunately, um, she did not extend that advocacy to people who were in her era referred to as feeble-minded. And she was an advocate for something called eugenics, which advocated sterilization and even euthanization for folks who were um, what we now refer to as MRDD, mentally retarded or developmentally delayed, because it was thought that they would weaken the gene pool. Um, probably the, one of the least attractive things about Helen Keller, who did some fabulous things even for disabled people, but evidently there, there were limits to um, her enlightenment as well. Now this one may surprise you, and I chose these pictures because this is Hitler in some um, frames that were taken by Life magazine when he was giving a speech, and they're not as familiar as most of the images of Hitler that we've seen. Hitler was wildly popular in Germany. Now he did rule with an iron fist, but prior to World War II, Germany had been pretty much decimated after World War I. Their economy, was destroyed and they pretty well had been 
well, defeated is probably the best word for it, in all sorts of ways. And Hitler came along and raised up the German people, made them feel proud to be German again. He really was a charismatic speaker who inspired German loyalty by being a fierce advocate for Germans. Um, he clearly took it too far. I, I am not a fan of Hitler. I don't want to give you that impression. But um, he was not always considered to be um, the worst man in the world by everybody. And a little closer to home, this is, this is a pleasant picture. Everybody recognizes Bobby Knight, don't you? He was, I saw the picture of him in the paper this week and he, he has not, he's not aged well. But he looks fairly much like himself in this picture. Yeah, I, it was hard for me to imagine that he was fired 19 years ago. Bobby Knight is definitely streaky. Some people have suggested that he was a great basketball coach who was just a cruel person. Um, I don't know, I, I didn't know um, Mr. Knight personally, I don't really care that much about basketball, um, but you couldn't live in Bloomington and not hear about the controversy. So, um, popular or despised? All of these people kind of raised that question and probably could have fit into either category at various points in their um, unfolding journeys. So we turn from that to Jesus. We're going to take a look at the metaphysics of the triumphal entry. First, we have Jerusalem, the holy city, which is within us that place of spiritual peace. Jerusalem, the, um, it's a transliteration from the Hebrew, and the second half of it is shalom, which is a greeting in Hebrew, but it's also the state of peace and prosperity. So shalom is well-being. So within us, Jerusalem is that place of peace and well-being. Jesus riding into the city is a symbol of the I am identity coming into that place of peace. And he was riding on a donkey. I'm afraid Ella was disappointed. <laughs> Although she made it sound like, you're not going to make us ride on a donkey, are you? But I think it would have been cool if we'd had one. Jesus riding on a donkey represents the spiritual I am taking control of the physicality, the, the animal part of us, the, the very human part and what we have in common with donkeys. And that it's the I am that raises that animal nature to a spiritual plane and the hosannas. This is, a, this is a notion that comes up over and over again in Charles Fillmore's writing. The hosannas represent the joyful obedience of our thoughts 
in consciousness whenever an error state is overcome. So it's when our thoughts are aligned with our highest and best. So, who defines me? Sometimes it feels like it's the crowd. Um, maybe how many followers you have on Facebook or how much money you can earn with your YouTube channel as a social influencer. These are all really new concepts for me, so please forgive me if I'm using any of them incorrectly. <clears throat> it used to be that not many of us were famous enough for the crowd to be able to define us, but social media has uh, given all of us uh, the potential for a bigger stage than used to be possible. I would say in my day it was much more likely that um, I would feel like my peers could or did define me. Um, the people who know me the best, sometimes family, sometimes friends, sometimes neighbors, you know, who is that lady who lives over there? I'm sure in my neighborhood, I am defined as the woman with the two little dogs <laughs> and, and a pretty messy yard. That, that, is not, that is not who I am. Too often we are also defined by our latest failure or success. I was thinking about um, Barbara Streisand says in one, um, one of her songs that you're as good as your last hit. And that's certainly very true with sports teams. You know, when, when they're winning, everybody loves them. And there are some diehard fans who will hang in there when they're losing, but in general, there are far fewer parades thrown for them when, when Teams have a losing season. Sometimes I'm in danger of being defined by my ego. And, you know, from one day to the next, my ego may be inflated, and I am all that in a bag of chips. Or my ego may be deflated, and uh, I don't understand why anybody even wants to speak to me. So that's a, um, that certainly is a changing source of our self-definition. But in unity, we teach that we are, in fact, defined by the Christ consciousness within us. Although sometimes that seems kind of big and impersonal to me. So I chose to go with the best source of my definition is my understanding of my I am. If nothing else, Holy Week teaches us that some days you're a diamond and some days you're a stone. Or as Mary Chapin Carpenter sings, sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. 
Simon and Garfunkel said, I'd rather be a hammer than a nail. So there are a variety of metaphors. But regardless of how any particular day is going, or how many followers you have on Facebook, there abides within each one of us a holy city, that Jerusalem, that habitation of peace and prosperity. And it's there that the I am resides. So today, whether I'm being idealized or demonized, it's important that I don't take that personally, which means I don't take it in as truth. I wore purple pants today. You may hate purple pants. And I'm sorry if I offend you with the color of my pants. And I will not take that in as my bad. But it's every bit as important that if you idealize me because I have the cutest earrings, that I don't take that personally either. And we are much more apt to take it personally when somebody sings our praises. <laughs> Most of us are mature enough to let it go when somebody puts us down, but boy, admire me for something and I'm taking all sorts of credit for it. But that's, it's no more real. Everyone experiences ups and downs, shining moments, and dark days. And as tempting as it is, we really must not allow the changing feelings and fortunes to define us. Because each of us is an expression of that Christ light within us. A unique expression. Nobody else shines that light quite like you do. Which always, that, that's a riddle for me, that we all have the Christ light, but it's not the same. It does not shine through us in the same way. So when the roar of the crowd threatens to tell me who I am, for good or ill, that's when I go to my inner Jerusalem. There, we can always find peace, prosperity, and our true identities. And it's, it's okay to throw yourself a parade as you go there. <laughs>